do you want to say anything about it up front or do you want to just hope that we can yeah uh jules just so you know there's a an air show happening right now here so uh, you may need to um hello and welcome to the android police podcast my name is daniel bader this week on the show we got two things to talk about we got ifa and we got pixel and we also have Will and Ara to help us talk about them. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. How are you both doing? I'm good. I'm weirdly, I'm in like a weird funk. I think my allergies are just kicking my ass right now. But like, I'm good. I'm going, I'm seeing a concert tonight. That's fun. I'm repping Canada and seeing Always. Oh, that's uh, fun. So that'll be, yeah, that'll be a good time. But uh, but yeah, I don't, I'm between two concerts. That's the other thing. I don't know. Concerts exhaust me. I saw one on Monday. I might just be you saw who Modest Mouse, Modest Mouse and, and Pixies. The Pixies. Yeah, it was a fun show. So Modest Mouse opened for the Pixies, or vice versa. Yeah, it was. Well, it was. It was Cat Power to Modest Mouse to Pixies. Okay, so yeah. technically it was a Pixies show. No, they're co. Or did they bill it as like a yeah co-headlining? A co-headliner. Okay, interesting. Yeah. But who played longer? Who played last? Pixies did, but if they played longer, it was not by that much. Like it was, it was. Uh, but also, like if they played last and they ended the night, then it was a yeah. Pixies show. Yeah, it's still co-headlining though. Like the so like the always show tonight is always in Alex G, and they are alternating their their set times. So so see, one that's night, the only way to do it. If you're truly co-headlining, true. Then I you suppose. Have to alternate. I suppose. And then you have to play your song simultaneously <laughs> at the end of the night. I will so say that, the crowd was definitely more there for Pixies than, than Modest Mouse. You could tell. I can understand that. Although at this point, the audience ages for both of those bands are probably the same. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am more of a Modest um, Mouse fan than a Pixies fan, but I, I enjoyed both uh, sets regardless. Yeah. I mean, I grew up listening to Modest Mouse. I don't know Pixies nearly as well, but uh I would have also been at that show for for Modest Mouse, but it was sold out. I've never seen it was at Art Park in Lewiston. I've never seen it that busy. It was it was crazy. If anybody can hear in the background uh, the, <laughs> the planes overhead, I apologize. Will uh, Jules has hopefully done his magic reducing that, but there's an air show here in Toronto this weekend, and they're practicing right now, right above me. So just be here with me. In this experience, in this horrible, horrible experience. Hey, now air shows are not that bad. Mm. Okay, yeah. If you're if you're there, absolutely. If you're not there, <laughs> you're just hearing it. If you're not a parent or you don't have an animal, yeah, that's that's the those are the criteria <laughs> for hating an air show. Uh, also, fireworks. If you hate fireworks, it's because you're a parent or a pet owner. Exactly. But I will say, I'm amazed at how few dogs lose their crap over fireworks in this town but then again our fireworks go off every night so i think it's just that they get desensitized to that it that sounds like hell to me personally what having fireworks go off every night uh y- yes sir <laughs> i don't i don't want that at all there was it was uh you can only hear remember them for if it like was... five i want to say i'm seven or eight miles from the magic kingdom uh as the crow flies and if it is cloudy and it is a very good night i maybe hear the booms faintly like if the ac isn't going then i'll maybe hear the booms but otherwise it's just like a oh it's if you're outside walking at night it'll be like oh that's oh yeah it's nine o'clock yeah that's fire i feel like jules is just gonna like cut this and put this right at the end of the episode so (laughs) let's not continue and just move on sure we're gonna jump right into ifa 2023 this is the show that's happening in berlin uh james and manuel are there for ap we got representation at XDA, at Pocketlint, you know, we got our people there. They're all drinking steins of beer and enjoying themselves with very heavy plates of meat and ideally just enjoying each other's company. But we are here to dissect the announcements. So it's interesting, right? Because we say this every year. There's a lot of things announced at IFA, but very few of them are like essential products, I would say. They're not phones and big name devices that we talk about for months and months, Samsung, Google, Apple, they no longer make announcements for their devices here. But we did get a couple of really interesting products that 
I think it's worth it's worth mentioning, right? First of all, the Fairphone Five is now uh, the company's fifth sustainable repairable phone. You get some big deal upgrades. Manuel reviewed this for the site, and you know this is a phone that I think has emerged as sort of the poster child of the sustainability and right to repair movement, especially in Europe. It has been embraced by a lot of not just individuals, but like it's used as the representation of what things could be if companies tried a little bit harder. And we talked extensively about this last week, Apple supporting California's right to repair bill and what impact that might have on the wider smartphone industry. But here we have a device that, you know, it's not amazing. It's not super powerful, but it is a decent mid-range Android phone. And it's also supported for many years, five years, I believe. Yeah, so five years of software updates, extended support until 2031, and hopefully extending that to 2033. So five years of software updates and 10 years of support. And you can't match that. No company matches that. Well, so it's really interesting how they're doing this, actually. I think we should say this uh, because Manuel and I had a discussion in our DMs about this phone. So it's essentially powered by a Snapdragon 782G. But if you look at the spec sheet, you will not see that processor name there. You will see Qualcomm QCM6490, which is effectively the same chip. The processor is made up of the same clusters of cores, right? Like they're, you know, it's got the same graphics card chip, whatever. But it is, this is the like industrial IoT focused variant of that, which means it has longer support from Qualcomm. Right. It's baked into the product. It's not, it's, yeah. it's almost like when you buy the commercial version of a consumer product, it's sometimes a little bit more expensive, but it comes with a much longer warranty and slightly better production tolerances because it's meant for a massive organization to use and likely abuse a little bit more than a product that you'd buy at home. Right. That makes a ton of sense, right? This is probably one of the few chips that Qualcomm is willing to support for more than three years without the company paying millions of dollars in additional fees. I don't know. I mean, the 782G is not a, not a device that I'm, or not an SOC I'm particularly familiar with. I can't remember a phone that I used powered by the 782G, but it's not a particularly fast chip. It wasn't fast three, four years ago, and it's certainly not that fast now. It's built on a six nanometer uh, process. So they, they announced it late last year. You're right. Okay. So it's not that old. But it's not. Yeah, it's in like the OnePlus Nord CE3, I think. It's not in a lot of stuff, but like it's a fine enough mid range chip. It's interesting. It's not like a 7 Gen 1 or 7 Plus Gen 2 or whatever, but like it is their 700 series, which is like they're decent chips as long as you're not trying to push the phone too hard. Yeah, so it's based on older architecture an older Adreno GPU and an older cryo design based on a 6 nanometer process. Cortex A78 cores. Oh, so sorry, these aren't cryo cores at all. These are just standard Cortex A78 cores. Yes. Which is likely why it's and, not and a Snapdragon efficiency 7 cores. Gen 1 or 7 Gen 2. Yeah. These are just standard ARM cores, which is likely why Samsung can, or Qualcomm can support them longer because they're not modified. They're not charging additional money because they're just straight off the line from ARM. That's likely the reason here. So you're not getting any cryo-specific tweaks, but that doesn't matter if you're buying this phone. So anyway, go back to the device itself. Well, this is kind of the first one I've been really, you know, I don't know if impressed is the right word because it's not like this is like a super fast flagship or anything, but like this is the one that I can kind of see myself using. I like the overall design of it. You know, the bezels on the front are a little chunky, but I think they would fade into the background pretty quick. I really like the transparent backplate. This and has just been a year idea. for transparent tech, hasn't it? Again, thank God. Like, I hope it continues. It should. But I don't know. Like, I, I This is the I first think... one that doesn't feel like a novelty. This feels like a phone yeah. you could actually use long term. And that's yeah, how it's it, been for yeah. a lot of like the previous Fairphones and these phones that 
focus a little bit more on the sustainability, the repairability. This feels like a finished long-term product as opposed to something like, oh, this is a cool idea. Here's the thing you could pay for, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I guess that is the thing, right? Which is like, if Fairphone wants you to have its phone for as long as possible, then it needs to be a device you would want to use. And in this case, I think this is kind of the first time they really reached that. I think it's also interesting that they make a big deal about sourcing sustainable components for the insides Mm -hmm. of the phones, right? Smartphone production, use of, of rare precious metals inside our devices is not really well publicized. The companies would rather not know that they're sourcing cobalt from like a mine in the Congo, but that's really what's happening. And because they're so many layers removed from that process they're buying kind of unless they're building things themselves which is unlikely those metals are being sourced by you know several layers down the supply chain in order to build specific components of the devices but what fairphone says is like you can't miss that you can't just overlook that we are spending more to source less destructive components and we are providing a higher wage for the people that are mining those components that are putting these components together in their labs and and their fabs and that's why this is a fairly expensive mid-range phone we're looking at 700 euro for this which is expensive for a device that really is on you know from any other company would be maybe $400 $500 at most so you are spending more here but the company is offering far longer physical support for the device software support for the device and you know that you are buying a product that's that's less invasive on our planet i don't think that's going to be a great selling point for the vast majority of people but I'm in a world where like I buy ethically sourced coffee, ideally coffee that has been sourced from a single provider so that the roaster that buys the green beans from the grower buys the full lot so that that grower gets the entire profit from from that lot, right? And like that is a conversation that's happening across a bunch of different industries. And it doesn't seem to be happening yet on the phone manufacturing side. So this is a good product to start that conversation. Then there's the self-repair process here where Fairphone says it's relatively easy to repair and parts for this product will be available for many, many years to come. If you drop the phone, crack the screen, you need a battery replacement, all of these things can be easily accessed. I don't know. Are you guys familiar with the framework laptop? Yes. Yep. They made a Chromebook last yeah. year. It seems very similar to that. Like the new laptop 16. Yeah. It's very expensive, but it finally looks like they've, if not perfected, then like gotten as close to perfecting as possible the process of replacing out components. And I think with the Fairphone 5, the company's there as well. So I'm really interested to see what the uh, reception is like for this thing. All right, so that's the Fairphone. It's worth reading about. Manuel has a, a couple of articles on the site. There's a bunch of earbuds. Jabra has new earbuds. JLab has new earbuds. Shure has new headphones. Like, there's a lot of audio equipment launched at IFA, which makes sense. I have the new Jabra Elite 10 and 8 Active. I've been wearing the Elite 10 the last few days. They're fine. They're okay. I'll probably have more to say about them next week. Should I regret buying my Bose earbuds instead of sticking no, with, my, with my old Jabra's? Okay. at all. Fair enough. Fair enough. That was, that was my concern. I was like, of course, right after I, I buy expensive earbuds, they... Because I liked my 75Ts a lot, but yeah, I am enjoying my, my Bose. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Jabra has not managed... And I think a lot of companies... And you're, you, know, you wrote an article about this that I, I want to talk about a bit later, but... A lot of companies that don't have their own product ecosystem that can't favor their own products and have to make product for everybody to work equally well. This is the quintessential issue of not owning the platform. If you are Samsung, you're 
Samsung earbuds are going to work better. If you're Google, your Pixel earbuds are going to work better. If you're on an iPhone, your AirPods are going to work way better. And Jobber just cannot compete with this. And the cracks are showing in their ability to, to properly compete. So yeah, I'm going to have a lot more to say about that. I want you to talk about a couple of devices, the foldable devices that sort of launched at, at IFA will. Uh, Techno's mm-hmm. Phantom Ultimate concept phone, which is just <laughs> yeah. insane and, and like not uh-huh. a real thing. And then a real thing that's also insane is this Honor Magic V2 purse edition thing. The Magic V purse, of course. Purse. I genuinely, yeah. I find this fascinating. I love it's it so, in a way. So I don't get yeah. why y'all think this is as weird as it is considering how many women already turn their phone basically into a purse. No, 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 no. Between that's not why I think it's weird. I just think the design is weird. Like it had nothing to do with the, like just, just how it unfolds. Uh, what I think is fascinating here is the line between honor and Huawei. Oh, that's just yeah. not there. Like honor somehow got around being put on the entity list <laughs> and just keeps borrowing products from Huawei yeah. and getting away with yeah. it. And I, I just think this is hilarious that Huawei has managed to figure out a way to sneakily sell products in Europe and use Qualcomm and 5G and Google services without anybody batting an eye. Because this is a Huawei product. Like Honor OS is basically still whatever Huawei's OS is called. It's just unabashedly copying what Huawei has done. So that's what I'm saying here. I think the addition of a Pearl chain to the phone to make it into a quote purse is fine. It totally makes sense. Oh yeah. This isn't even the first time I've seen. So when we were, when I was at the Razer hands-on event in June, some of the PR team had like built custom cases for the razor to turn their razors into like purses. And they had a couple of them out just to like show. And we were like, are you guys like going to make these? And they were like, we kind of want them to, but like, I don't know. There's not enough of a market, which is a shame because there really aren't enough like quality razor plus cases. No. And it was, it was a really interesting idea. It was, it was not that bulky. It added a way to kind of carry the phone. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. If you could have gotten a couple more pictures of that, I absolutely would have turned that into an article (laughs) because I love this kind of like, it, it's because it, I mean it's so weird to see people get so psyched up about a phone it's like okay mm. I know exactly what this phone needs and I am willing to actually put in the work to do it I might have photos of it I'll take a look at my library I don't think I put them in the announcement just because they were, it was not it's not an official thing but I'll, I'll see what I have but yeah I mean I also think that so many cases have anchor points I really wish that more like phones themselves would start building in the anchor points like you see for well the anchor points here are a little bit more grandiose if I'm being perfectly honest Manuel and James are at IFA, and Manuel was saying to James and then to us in the commerce section of like, oh, hey, there's been just so many people using like phones on lanyards and phones on straps, and you have to use a case for any of those, or you have to stick one of these god-ugly stickers on the back of your phone. So I like that Honor built in the point so that way it's like, okay, we know you're going to use a strap. Here's what you need to use it without having to stick something ungainly onto this already significantly sized phone do you guys remember the like lanyard attachment on the fifth generation ipod touch i do where it like risk it like you could like pop it out and like put like a strap well, i think it? they that didn't that debut with the nano was it on the nano first the, i yeah, only it remember shuffle. it on the i remember the shuffle early on it was on like the a, back corner of the ipod touch and it was like this little oh, i do disc. remember that yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but i think it debuted on the on the shuffle and the nano okay okay they should bring those back. They should put yes. those on every iPhone. If we're going to make phones super duper slippery and if we're expecting people to have their phones like in their hands 24-7, being able to stick a strap on there is handy. But I, I also understand that it's like, oh, we it's one more thing that can break on a phone because if an anchor point breaks on a case, oh, well, if an anchor point breaks on a phone, it's either going to break the phone or at the very least it's going to rip out something and break your waterproofing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we can also talk about the Phantom Ultimate, which is Techno's latest 
concept rollable. They've, this is not their first concept rollable, but it is, it is the latest. Techno is the brand that made the Phantom 5 or V. I'm still not sure. Uh, I should ask Manuel. He reviewed it. But the, it's V. Of course it is. Of course it is. Uh, they made the Phantom V earlier this year, which is kind of like an affordable foldable. It's, it's like much cheaper than the Pixel Fold or the Galaxy uh, Z Fold 5. This is a very different rollable than like the Motorola Riser that I saw, uh, I guess, six months ago now. Wow. It, it basically it looks kind of like a normal like smartphone when it's not rolled out. And then it kind of extends to, you know, a 7.11 inch, like almost foldable size screen. It uses the back of that panel uh, on the back of the phone to have like a little sliver of notifications or whatever. This will never come to market, so it doesn't matter a ton. It is an interesting idea. I think there's so much smoke around rollables right now that it is just a matter of time until someone brings one to market. I don't know who it will be first, but I do think there's been too many concept phones at this point that like I, I don't, you know, it feels very like 2018 for rollables in, in, in comparison to foldables where it's like, huh, are these like actually kind of around the corner of someone trying one? And like the first one, maybe the first two will be bad. But like, I do think it's interesting that like it, it does feel like these are about ready to be tried in a way that consumers could theoretically buy one. Here's what I want to know about rollables. Yeah. You know how on a manual foldable, they claim it's good to 200,000 opens, you know, how are they going to test the longevity of this motor? Like, what are they going to claim as the maximum number of opens or movements or whatever for this motor because this is a physical motor. Is it going to be the motor? It's a motor, yeah. This is a mechanism. Every single rollable, unless you're like manually unrolling this OLED display and it somehow stays intact enough not to just like disintegrate in your hands. Well, now that's an interesting idea, Daniel, which is uh, it's a phone that's a scroll and you have to unscroll it every single time you want to check, I don't know, your messages. Oh, man, the 10 Android commandments. (laughs) That's that's exactly right. That's amazing. But I don't know if it's going to be the motor that gives out first or the screen. Because the motor, if you build the motor properly for these, then ideally the motor should be able to last for, God, like, five seven eight years we've seen mechanisms like these in phones before for like the cameras or what have you god Mm -hmm. i it's been a hot minute since we've had the pop-up cameras the one plus seven t one plus seven seven regular seven you're right regular seven yeah or seven pro seven pro yeah there we go that's what i'm forgetting yeah yeah, I'm, i'm not so much worried about the motor like failing from overuse i'd be more worried about the motor failing from either some kind of dust or dirt like sneaking its way inside the mechanism because if it rolls then there has to be a seam somewhere so i'd worry more about that and or of course it's a roll if it's a rollable screen it's a flexible screen and flexible screens are just more prone to breaking because it's plastic and maybe a little bit of glass and maybe a really really thin layer of glass well i mean go back and look at the riser (laughs) i saw at mobile world congress and see how thin the top of the screen is when it's unrolled i mean it's like it's like a few sheets of paper and it's like oh if i drop this while it's unrolled it's fucked like it's gone and there are so few ways to repair this yeah right? no it's it's you're the inevitable yeah. the inevitable like rma process or repair process for a uh, <laughs> rollable is going to be a nightmare like you think it's hard to get a galaxy z fold 5 repaired right now imagine techno trying to get you a repaired or, you know, trying to process an RMA for this. Like it's going to cost them as much to repair the thing as it did to build it because you're going to have to take the whole thing apart and put it back together again. Well, bold of you to assume that it won't just be uh, it. If anything happens to the phone, it's not a repair. It's just a replacement. Oh, no, I assume it's a replacement. So they'll force you to buy insurance with this phone. That's what I'm assuming. You buy a rollable. Yeah. They're like, all right, Samsung comes out with his first G roll or whatever or Z roll. They're saying you buy Samsung Care or you don't buy this phone. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. You get it for free for a year. At some point, this stops becoming owning a phone and just leasing a phone, right? I mean, you do that anyway right now through a carrier, so... This is true. But, I mean, uh, another thought I have for these is all of these 
I'm finding it harder and harder to get excited about all of the like rollables, the foldables. And I think from the Fairphone earlier, I think I'm understanding why. And that is because all of these phones are the exact antithesis of like the Fairphone. It's all of these are engineered in a way that makes them impossibly hard to repair, impossibly hard to protect. And that means that these phones are going to be so fragile and so disposable. And that's just going to be a waste for the customer and also just a waste for the environment, considering all of those phones. I'm not sure how well phone recycling will be for any of these and how many of those components will be able to get back. None. The answer is none. And that's, yeah, that's it's, it. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, that's how I feel about And you're going like, to pay $2,000 for this phone that is going to end up in a landfill like twice as fast as a regular phone. Like, really? Yeah, but you, you got to, that's it, right? You got to be on the bleeding edge that they're, that's how you justify charging. What's what's the first roll like consumer rollable going to cost? Like three grand more? No, I think two point five. I'll take that bet. I'll say you say two point five. I say twenty nine ninety nine. Whoever comes out with a foldable with a rollable first, whether it's Motorola or Samsung or like Techno, I think it'll be three grand. That's my bet. That's because they don't want anyone to buy them. <laughs> Let's move on. So. A couple more things from IFA that I wanted to talk about are, um, so Anchor came out with a bunch of chargers, not a whole lot of interesting stuff here, but it's the first Qi 2 compatible, MagSafe compatible Qi 2 charging pad. So Ara, tell us more about what is actually happening here. Okay, I want to pull up the exact list because I believe it was more than just the charging puck. There's like 20 gadgets here. Yeah, yeah most, of them, most of them are just like little, little yeah. And chargers and cables and stuff. I was going to say, yeah, most of this is not Mag. No, no, no. But there's enough here that's interesting. But they have the Maggo charging station, which I can't believe they're claiming an 8-in-1. But then again, I they're not showing how many ports are behind this. This is the ball, Nexus right? Nexus Q-looking thing. Yeah, the, this is the, the Nexus Q-looking thing. Yeah. But Key 2, I have been super excited for Key 2 all year. It was my favorite announcement from CES. Uh, I am anxiously awaiting the first phones to support Key 2 because I really hope it, the Pixel 8 is in there with it, but I'm almost positive it's going to be the iPhone 15 and then the Galaxy S24. But Key 2 is the next generation of MagSafe, and it will be available to both Apple and Android, which will just open up. It'll open Android users up to just so many more accessor- uh, high-quality accessories adaptable accessories like i've been hyping my magsafe cases for uh the galaxy s23 all year i want to hype them for the fold 5 and the flip 5 but i need to test things a little bit more first magsafe accessories have just been so useful and being able to just like being able to swap or being able to just take it off and go without any of them when you need to if you want to just keep things thin is just so freeing but especially for charging charging with magsafe on an android phone is literally a gamble because it is 110% not certified for Android phones. Even if you get a MagSafe one that isn't made by Apple. And even if you do find one of these, it's a slower charging speed. So you're paying more for a charger that is not certified and is going to slow charge your phone and build up more heat. Because I've used some of the MagSafe chargers with my Galaxy S23 and the phone would get so hot I cannot physically touch it. And that's on the opposite side, like touching the glass not touching the back of the phone where the charger is. But seeing Kitu accessories from Anchor, um, I just got an email from Mophie shortly before the podcast started. They are announcing their first Kitu products as well. We need to build up the accessories that are available for these before the phones arrive. And because they are Kitu, they are backwards compatible, so they work with everything that is MagSafe currently. I'm super excited for these, and I'm super excited for Kitu to actually become a thing next year. But especially for Anchor... The thing I need to see more than like the pictures and the names is I need to see prices and I'm not seeing a whole lot of those yet. I mean, there's there's obviously a licensing component here, but do you see them being comp- like that much more expensive? Well, here's the thing. Key is the wireless power consortium. Apple worked with the wireless power consortium on this, but it is not like licensed to Apple. So the licensing here is going to be less expensive than Apple MagSafe, unless something has just been drastically changed behind the scenes compared to previous specifications. I could see Apple being like, okay, we have some like extra special MagSafe stuff on top of Key 2, but Key 2 is going to be available for the vast majority. Uh, it's an open standard, so I don't see the licensing being an issue. 
which should ideally help with the price and help with the like proliferation and availability of these products. But it's also more a matter of with it coming to Android, it's something that we can fully trust now instead of something that is like, oh, we can add these little magnetic rings and we can do all this stuff too. Especially for the, as I mentioned, the power stuff. But it also just means that Android users are going to be able to get in on the fun that Apple iPhone users have had for the last, God, is it three years now since MagSafe came out? Was it the 12? Uh, yeah, it was the 12. Yeah. Yeah. So us finally getting in on all of this fanciness that everybody else has had will help a little bit. I just want to clarify, like, Jitsu supports magnetic charging, and it supports, at some point in the future, faster charging speeds. Well, no, it supports faster charging speeds now. Well, nominally, but I mean, they're saying that it might be significantly higher in the future, right? Yes, but right now it'll be 15 watts charging for Android as well as Apple. No. Because previously, Apple MagSafe will only was... allow 15 if it licenses the MagSafe technology. So if it's not technically MagSafe compatible, it defaults back to 7.5 watts. So if a product is released and they're not willing to spend Apple's dollars to license MagSafe, it won't charge at 15 watts. It'll fall back to 7.5 watts. That's the beauty of, of Qi2, though, is that you're, you have this situation where because the magnetic component is compatible with MagSafe, most things will just work. But unless it's licensed by, unless they, they license Apple's MagSafe technology, it will not support 15 watt. Unless like the iPhone 15 explicitly supports Qi 2, in which case it's 15 watts. So I just want to make it clear, like an iPhone 14 or earlier that just supports Qi, up to 15 watts with MagSafe will not charge at 15 watts automatically if you put it on a, on a Qi 2 charger. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying that portion of it is backwards compatible. I'm saying like any Qi 2 device will be able to charge at 15 watts, not just the 7.5 or the 5 watts that they got when using a MagSafe charger. Right, exactly. If that yeah, yeah, sense. but there are hundreds of millions of iPhones out there that you may put it on a Qi 2 charger, but unless it's explicitly MagSafe, supported it won't get 15 watts it'll get seven and a half but that's just going to be like an ecosystem thing that everybody has to deal with considering how closely apple worked with the wireless powers consortium i still think that it's going to be a matter of this will allow 15 watt charging from non-apple chargers for whatever on a hardware side these iphones can handle because i do not believe the 12 and the 13 did not support 15 watt correct that was a 14 uh, that was an iphone 14 advancement it was the iPhone minis that were, that were maxed out at 12 watts, but MagSafe has always been 15 watts from day one. Okay. It's just like backwards compatible with regular Qi at seven and a half. Anyway, it is what it is. Okay, uh, let's finish up the EFA stuff by talking about JBL's new dual voice assistant speaker that also happens to look really nice. So, Will, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. One. Like, it's just a dying category of product that we don't really see a lot of anymore. Amazon doesn't seem to be investing much in these, like, standalone powered speakers. Google has not replaced the Google Home Max. Sonos is rumored to be coming out with the Move 2 next week. So that might assuage some people's concerns for larger connected speakers. But obviously, with what's happening between Sonos and Google, that's only going to have Alexa support. So here we are. JBL is... One of the first companies to be releasing a speaker that's both large and powerful and looks good and supports A and G in one unit. Well, to be clear, we have had speakers that support uh, A and G in the same speaker before. This is the first time that both will be able to be activated on a speaker at the same time. Like, usually you have to pick one or the right, other. Right, but so that's, that's the really unique feature here. but. This is a, I mean, just to be clear, it's a range of speakers. So there's three speakers. There's the 300, 500, and 700, if I'm not mistaken, or 200, 300, uh, 200, and 200, 300, and 500. And the 300 has a handle, which I think is crucial. Uh -huh. I just, Boombox. I just love handles on technology. I, I mean, bring it That's back. Right? I think every device should have a handle. Like put, put in a fake tape deck in there. Just, just make it look yeah, absolutely. as nice as you can. Well, the press images are so funny for these because they're like, 
if you just pan the camera over a little bit, like John Hamm is on the Mad Men, <laughs> Mad Men set. Like it's yeah. absolutely, it's so funny. The vibe it's going for is so is so crazy. I mean, I think they look good to be honest. I kind of like the like weird grid on the front of them and the gold accents. I don't know. They're a little gaudy, but I like them. For these speakers, like companies have tried to make like the more like unobtrusive Google Assistant smart speakers, and most of the designs that are like minimalist and plain haven't worked. So they need these to be a distinct design in order to grab attention. And also having it have a, if not unique, then at the very least, specific design philosophy will help these fit into a variety of homes. Not necessarily a wider variety, but this is an aesthetic that goes specifically with certain things and that will help a little bit. But also I think it just, it makes for a more fun speaker because I'm sorry, there's only so many times I can see a fabric colored cylinder or a plastic colored cylinder. What are you talking about? Those are... Those are groundbreaking designs. They're, <laughs> they're. I love. I love how safe and uniform and stale. I mean, don't my get me wrong. <laughs> I love my Nest audios, but at the same sure. time, those are like I have the Sony Reality Five Thousand. It looks like a giant like electric razor. It's not a great design, but at the very least, it's an eye catching design. The design here is so much better, and I'm so happy with it. Yeah, and I. I mean, I I dig the handle because that's the one that's portable. So you you need something to hang on to if you're going to move this phone from one room to another. I do want to just point out that these are very expensive. Well, well, yeah, yeah, of course. It's a JBL speaker and it's a smart speaker. The cheapest one is three hundred and thirty dollars. The one with the handle is four hundred and thirty dollars, and the five hundred, which is just enormous, it has like three tweeters, two woofers, and a dedicated six and a half inch subwoofer that's going to retail for seven hundred dollars so you got to remember the handle tax you really have to know why you're buying fifty dollars you really have to be like an ad executive in the 1960s to justify (laughs) this cost i was gonna when aura was like these these fit into specific aesthetics i was like yeah like if you're a swinger in the 1960s they will be right at home on your nightstand Do they have auxiliary out for connecting to a turntable? That's all I care. Oh, that's such a. I was gonna say I don't know if that was included with the actual specs for this. I wouldn't be surprised considering they're also obviously Bluetooth speakers and cast targets and I believe AirPlay targets. Like it has all the smart speaker stuff that you expect. But I will say on the pricing, the pricing for these actually matches pretty well with Sony's and uh, and the other current like smart speakers. Like, I, I hate that they're that expensive, but it definitely that, that the prices did not shock me, although that says more about me than the prices. So they all support simultaneous voice. Two of the three support Atmos. They all support multi-room playback. So you can pair ones with, the, with another. So if you have $1,500 to spend, you can buy three of these and then pair them all in the same around your house. Um, only one of them, the one with the handle is portable. So that one has a battery in it. They all support Bluetooth, all support self-tuning, and they don't appear to have any auxiliary out. So I'm looking at the back of the 200, and it has it does it has an aux port. Yeah, it also has an Ethernet port. Um, where do you, where are you finding these? Hard wait, oh, I'm looking live on JBL's wait, it website. Had, it had an Ethernet port. That's amazing. And I'm on JBL. I'm just on the listing on JBL's website for the 200. Oh, that's wonderful. The spec sheet says audio in, so okay, uh, I, I can go to the. 300 and the 500 as well. Well, that's good news at least. I'll, I'll take that. But I mean, the number of smart speakers that have Ethernet is minuscule outside of like the audio video receivers, which can have inter- Ethernet for other reasons. They all um, have Ethernet and audio in, so they're, they're good to go. Okay. That's I like it. wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on and talk a little bit about the Pixel. This was the week that we learned that the Pixel. 8 and Watch 2 will be launched on October 4th. This is going to be a very busy month. We have Apple on September 12th. We have Amazon on September 20th. We have Microsoft launching new Surface products on September 21st. And then we have Google on October 4th. And then we have Prime Day somewhere in October between... God. Actually, no, I, they haven't given us dates yet, but I, I, can't, I can't imagine they're going to hold... It'll probably be the, the, the second week or third week, so... At the very least, yeah. like, it'll eat into pixel time. But whatever. I mean, we all die when 
like Techtober hits and then we are reborn in November. So it's uh, No, we aren't. We're not Okay, y'all are reborn in November. I'm not. It takes you until Christmas, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, so tell us what we know about this. We saw some leaks of the Pixel 8 this week as well. Yeah, this is a crazy thing. Uh, we have yeah. our first look at the Pixel 8 Pro from a marketing photo. We also have a rumor that the phones could get iPhone-like software support. So these are all big deals. Tell us what we know. Yeah, okay. So this starts Tuesday. We get Apple invites right well not us <laughs> like you know sites that cover apple get apple invites and we'll watch the live stream or whatever and talk about it in slack and it'll be a great time but so the iphone's confirmed for you know in, in a couple weeks and then late that night it turns out it like leaks that the the pixel that google put an image of the pixel 8 pro on the google store website and maybe also the watch too although that one is obviously harder to tell but it is a, an image of a man holding the pixel 8 pro up to his face he is he is on the phone using it it has the new the slightly redesigned camera bar along with the thermostat sensor below the flash that is kind of the only way you would be able to tell that this is not a pixel 7 pro but in case you are concerned that we're our, our eyes are deceiving us the the alt text for this image said it's the pixel 8 pro in porcelain so confirmed on that as for the watch it does look slimmer to my eyes, but like otherwise it looks like a Pixel Watch to me. So like who knows on that? It's totally possible. So that happens 12 hours after that, around noon on Wednesday, an invite to the Made by Google event for October 4th rolled into my inbox and we wrote about it because, you know, it's not something embargoed or anything. And yeah, it's happening. Like it, it almost felt like Google was like, well, they saw it go ahead and put out the invites or whatever. We're expecting the Pixel 8 series, the Watch 2, almost certainly. Like, I'd be be shocked if that didn't show up. Obviously, there are a lot of other device categories that Google could refresh, right? Like a Chromecast, perhaps. I don't know if we'll see it there, but like the 4K Chromecast is kind of ancient now. And like, we certainly have talked enough shit about it on this podcast for for listeners to know our current thoughts on it could we see new routers like i don't know like new wi-fi stuff like i don't know like anything's possible you know last year it was really focused on the phones and the watch and then a a, a further tease of the of the tablet obviously we're not going to see a tablet too announced it it's only been a couple months that would be not a great look we're not going to see the pixel fold too it's only been a couple months but yeah i don't know like i'm i'm really excited to see what they have i'll be there i i accepted my invite so i'll make the long trek across the state out to new york city but uh yeah it's exciting stuff i think and then kind of around all of this there's been a lot of noise so as you mentioned daniel there was a leak this week that the the pixel 8 could get quote unquote iphone like support for its software um that doesn't have a specific time frame attached to it, but I think like if we look at recent iPhones, so obviously we are a couple weeks out from iOS 17 at this point, the iPhone 10 is reaching its cutoff, right? The iPhone 10s and 10R will get iOS 17. Those came out in 2018, but the 2017 iPhone 10 will not. By comparison, right, the Pixel. 2 and Pixel 2 XL were Google's 2017 smartphones, and those hit end of life in 2020. So this would be if Google can, you know, make the Pixel 8 last six years effectively, that's a big step up that jumps over Samsung, which I would say currently has the best support in the game right now. I think all of us, both at Android Police and in this community at large, have kind of looked at Google's 3OS upgrade promise for current Pixels and been like, that's not good enough. Like you guys should be able to do better. This is your hardware. You're pushing tensor. Why is this subpar compared to even Samsung, which promises four OS upgrades? I think it's a long time coming. I'm not going to applaud them too much for making a move like this, but I'm glad to see it. You know, I I do want to see specifics on what iPhone like support could be before I really like applaud. But you know, the concept of hitting five OS upgrades and five years of security patches would be excellent i think you know kind of coming back to the conversation we were having about the fairphone that would make it maybe not replace user replaceable but that would make 
a Pixel 8 last much longer than it would have a couple years ago. I'm taking this with a grain of salt because while they say iPhone-like, I still don't believe that Google is going to go... I Maybe they go four years of platform updates. I don't see Google going five or higher. Well, that's what I mean. I, I need to see what, what this entails because if they just tie Samsung, okay, great. You guys hit the bar that you should have been at already. Yeah. I'd love to see security updates stretch into uh, six or seven years mm-hmm. because for older phones, I don't necessarily need the system upgrade. I just need yeah. the phone to stay protected. And Apple will, if there is a security vulnerability on the iPhone 10 in three months, they will push a new version of iOS 16 to that phone. Like that phone is not dead yet just because it's not getting iOS 17. So that's, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, I think Apple has influenced the industry enough that that sort of table stakes, but also, again, it goes back to Google's fly agreement with Qualcomm, right? And previous to the Pixel 6, Google probably just wasn't in a position to negotiate for longer support periods. I wonder, though, if it was a matter of the more custom these Tensor chips get, the easier it will be for Google to support them for longer, because the Pixel 6 and 7 are running tensor chips that are basically just modified Exynos processors. So and you would never know by how well they work. <laughs> you, would, you would know exactly by how well they work. That's the problem. So I don't know. I mean, there's no expectation that the G3 will be any more custom than the G2, but I think Google's probably no, we're a just couple years out. making concessions here and spending more money if they do agree to five years. I mean, this is kind of personally speaking kind of a, a make or break year for the for the tensor chip for me like i mean i know it's probably just going to be another exodus chip that is disguised but it's like i have really soured on you know i had an okay time with the pixel 7 pro and in, in its first month or so and and especially once summer hit like i i have had a really poor time with that chip both in in the pixel 7 series and in the pixel fold and I'm not alone in that. I think that's a pretty common feeling. And I'm really curious how they kind of win people back over with the Pixel 8 if they do, because like I'm I I feel like, you know, like them releasing it in the fall really helps them because I did not I like I had the phone get warm. Don't get me wrong. I, I wrote about that in the Pixel 7 review a year ago, but I didn't have it get warm the way the Pixel Fold got warm until I reviewed that phone in the summer. And I was like, oh, this is like a problem problem because I live in a relatively speaking like cool part of the country like it's much more noticeable if you go somewhere warm so like i am going to be looking for that of like well if it's warm in october air in like 55 degree october air like what is it going to be right you know yeah yeah no you're 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 spot on okay so five years of support you know everything else is kind of table is par for the course with the pixel 8 series Flatter displays, potentially rounder sides, matte finishes on the back, new colors, blah, blah, blah. One thing that's quite interesting here is that Google announced, or not actually announced, somebody discovered it. Droid Life found a support page where it was just quietly mentioned that the Pixel Pass upgrade system that they implemented last year has been killed off two years ago, 2021. Yeah. So, I mean, this is funny. It's not surprising, but it is kind of funny. So Google says, uh, why is Pixel Pass being discontinued? We offer the best value for our hardware and give users the flexibility to purchase their favorite services. We continue to evaluate offers based on customer feedback and provide different ways for them to access the best of Google. That is a non-answer. That is just a bunch of words strung together to form a sentence, two sentences. That is not at all why Pixel Pass is being discontinued. I hate to say this, but I I think the answer is one, I don't think enough people used it, but two, also if you had Pixel Pass, it kind of conflicted with having any other software subscription from Google. Like if you had Pixel Pass, because that came with some Google storage stuff, I think it also messed, it it tended to mess with Google One and uh, YouTube Premium and other things. I think this was a matter of it's easier for them to take it away if they're not going to include the software bundling for it. I would love to see them come out with a new bundle that has this other stuff instead or to come out with a version of Pixel Packs that is just the phone. We see that with Apple. We see that with Samsung. I don't know why you need to necessarily throw in a bunch of other things. If people want to 
pay to upgrade your uh buy your phone every year, let them. Well, you can buy the phone on a payment plan right now. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> you can't. I mean, like the the issue yeah, with Pixel no, Pass I, was yeah, that no. like the money made no sense. Like, what yeah. are you getting for for the Pixel Seven Pro was like fifty five a month. Like, what are you getting? You're getting the phone. You're getting. YouTube Premium and YouTube Music Premium, but if you have YouTube Premium, you have Music Premium, so counting that as two perks is stupid. YouTube Premium, great. We have talked about that service on the show. I think everyone knows we like it. You get 200 gigabytes of cloud storage. That's not that much money per month. It's it's like three bucks, right? Like that's the $3 tier. Great. That's not even that much cloud storage, to be honest with you. You get Play Pass. Who cares? Does anyone care? about play pass you, you know how i know no one cares do you know how many pop-ups i've been getting for play pass lately today i installed a new free app on my phone on my z fold 5 and do you know what it did right when i clicked install it gave me a pop-up message again to try play pass not that it matters it's a free app but like this has been happening for like over a month now and, and it's not just me we've talked about it in slack i know it's happened to manuel like they're really, really promoting PlayPass, presumably because no one subscribes to it and they need people to think about it in the way they do Apple Arcade. And then you get preferred care coverage, which like, you know what? I, it's fine, I guess. But to say that any pixel repair is hassle free is probably a lie. So I know, Ara, you had one good experience, but you also had one bad one. So that's a wash. Yeah, I think they just did not. It was not a particularly enticing deal. I am not surprised that they killed it pretty much like they pretty much announced they were killing it the day it was dead. There are obviously some people who are affected by this. I think they got like a hundred dollar credit towards a new pixel in their email. Yeah, which is great. But it brings us back to the discussion we've had with Stadia, the discussion we've had with so many other services where it's like, why trust Google with your money? You know, part of the promise of Pixel Pass is like you'll get a new phone every two years. And you know what they did after 23 months is they said, just kidding. Go figure out a way you're buying your, you know, you're replacing your Pixel 6 with a Pixel 8. And I am of the mindset these days that it is difficult for me to give Google my money for a subscription service that I don't know will be around in two years, a year. Totally. I mean, the, the other part of this is Google has gone through a significant amount of internal change in the last year. And I just wonder the way that the, the company works, all these fiefdoms of, of ownership, right? Somebody launched Pixel Pass as a product, and then that person is likely not there anymore in a position of power, and their successor decided that it was a bad idea and, and just killed it. And this happens so often at Google that I wonder, you know, aside from its core products, if anything is ever going to be sustainable within that company, right? Like, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example here. So when you subscribe to iCloud Premier, whatever, Apple Premier, the everything in one, I think it's like $32 a month, $30 a month. You get Apple Music, Apple TV, and you also get two terabytes of, of iCloud storage. That's in addition to whatever you are buying. So it's not instead of, it doesn't replace what you have. It adds that two terabytes for the duration of your subscription, right? With Pixel Pass, like nobody thought out the inevitability of what happens when you don't want, say, PlayPass anymore, or when you decide to unbundle YouTube Music or you decide that you don't necessarily want YouTube Premium, somebody else at Google is going to change the way YouTube Premium works inevitably. And that's going to mess up. It's going to have this cascading effect on all of these bundles. And somebody was like, we don't want to have to deal with this anymore. So let's just kill the product before it actually goes into effect and have people, I'm sure two years ago during the pandemic, it made a ton of sense because everybody was at home playing games and watching movies and listening to music, right? And that idea is just not there anymore. People don't necessarily need to have all of these services every month for the rest of their lives. So yeah, I, I'm not surprised. It's also interesting that this launched with the Pixel 6, the product that has one of the, the worst reputations for quality at the company. <laughs> yeah. So 
will people inevitably upgrade to the Pixel 8 if you have a Pixel 6? I'm not sure about that. So Yeah, and I don't I don't even think over 12 months the Pixel 7 it has a better reputation, but is it a good enough reputation to even fix that of like, oh well they kind of whiffed it on the six, but don't worry, you know, the seven was perfect. Like, I, I think the, I think the seven is 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 a lot better. I I don't know it's, if a lot it, of people it, it have is. That. I'm not I'm not denying that, but you will still find people who are I mean, go in our comment sections, like go to the announcement page for the October 4th event. Like there are people who are like, no, you know what? I, I got burned on my seven. I didn't even like that. I'm done. Like the, those people are out there. They're on Reddit. Shout out to them, I guess. Um, yeah. Shout out to the haters. Uh, but also, <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of the reason, like my entire family has pixel phones aside from my little sister who has a galaxy S 22 plus, but I'm not sure if I can recommend the Google pixel whenever they need to upgrade again, because it's a worse physical, like literal phone because the modem and the connectivity is noticeably worse than samsung or any other qualcomm chip and my family doesn't live like way out in the sticks but they live far enough out that cell phone reception can be spotty but more importantly anybody who cares about personal safety you want your phone to be able to work everywhere and this is a phone that will not work everywhere yeah exactly i mean i I think i talked about this at a previous on a previous podcast but like i have a good friend who works in elevator shafts and his whole company bought Pixel 6s and then inevitably discovered that they don't work inside anything thicker than a couple of inches and had to get rid of every person's Pixel 6 and get, get them iPhones. And that was an enormous expense that they're not ever going to do again. So that purchasing manager is just like, yep, I'm done with this. You know, say la vie. All right, we have a couple more minutes. I just want to get through two very quick stories. So if you are a Google Home user, Google Home, the app, You now have way more options for routines. This is, I think, just like game changing for a lot of tweakers out there. Like so many new trigger mechanisms for your routines. You can have routines trigger on open or close. Uh, if If a window is open, you can now turn on the thermostat. When a device is plugged in or charging, when a temperature hits a certain level, when your device's volume is muted, when your device is locked or un- or docked or undocked, when your device is paused, locked, uh, sorry, when, the, when a door lock is jammed, all of these are new triggers that you can use to create more customized routines. And then the actions from them are just bananas. Like you can create new lighting effects, you can start timers, you can unpause and pause any appliances, like just the, the possibilities here are endless. It really does make Google Home one of the better smart home ecosystems now. I mean, not that it wasn't before, but you can really mix and match here, which is great. There's also a new script editor inside Google Home if you want to really get uh, handy. Not everybody's going to want to get their hands that dirty, but it's there if you want it. And then finally, Google Photos has now made its locked folder feature cloud-enabled. So previously, uh, it was just on Android. Now it's available on iOS and the web. And you sync your photos between them using encryption. So that's great if you want to, you know, store sensitive material behind a folder. Uh, You can do that anywhere. You don't just need an Android phone now. That is it. Will, Ara, thank you so much as always. What a week it's been. been I feel like we could do another 90 minutes on other news stories. So go read the site. It's a a good site. It's a good site. It's a good, it's a good, uh, (laughs) it's a good site. It's a good site. On the internet. It's true. Um, I just want to shout out a couple more things. Um, XDA relaunched today. Go read it. It's it's really interesting. Leaning really heavily into computing, moving a little bit away from phones and tablets and wearables, and way more into what really makes the site excited. The people who work there are super excited about computing. More laptops, more Windows, more gaming handhelds. You know anything that is not a phone. We are really going to lean into that on XDA. So go read Rich Wood's editorial on that. I was going to say, every time I see Rich at an event, he is so hyped about computers. Yeah, it's, so. it's, it's great. Uh, it's, it's it's a meaningful change that I think will we'll just put the site in a, in a great place for the next few years. And then finally, I also want to shout out the Wednesday episode of The Verge cast this week. It's an amazing episode. They talk uh, to Taylor Lorenz about her new book, all about the internet and about just the evolution of social networks. And then in the latter half of the episode, they talk to Addie Robertson, 
uh, goes over all the lawsuits that are happening against the Internet Archive right now. It's a fascinating interview that I learned a lot from, and I really just think it's a great hour of your time, uh, especially if you're interested in copyright law and, and what's happening in that world. So that's it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great week. Have a great long weekend for people who are celebrating Labor Day. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.